It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Hey everybody, welcome to the Lightning Round Podcast. We are back. Jamie is at lightning underscore round. I am at Garrett Sisti and we are here to talk about the Chargers win over the Dolphins. Uh, But first... We got two donations. Yeah, so a big shout-out goes out to Burt Rosen. A thank you for your generous donation. And Burt says, you guys are awesome. Thank you for venting and saying what we were all thinking and feeling after the Texans game. The Bolts are not easy to root for. I've been a fan for 40 years. Crap, I'm old. But I love them anyway. (laughs) Yeah, You're right. We are awesome. And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the only one to say that, too. A lot of people were... uh, Feeling a little bit cathartic being able to... That were awesome? Uh, well, that and also that uh, <laughs> we were able to vent and everybody else was kind of in the same boat with us, which, uh, of course, is smarter on their part. Uh, Brian Kerr also gave us a donation. He said, hey, guys, awesome casts in 2019. Seems like you were having more fun than ever. My wife and I are flying to New York City to L.A. for the Packers game. Was hoping someone listening that cannot use their Charger sideline tickets wants to do a direct sale to ensure that the seats do not end up in Packer fan hands. Cheers. I, I don't even know how to handle that here. We are not Tradio, 
Uh, that's not what we do here. But <laughs> listen, uh, Brian, if you're listening, go uh, comment on this podcast on Bulls from the Blue. Uh, and then you can have somebody connect you there. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to give out your info here on the podcast. So you can go take care of that in the comments. And uh, anybody that has Charger sideline tickets, help out Brian. He's a seems like a cool guy. Obviously, he likes the podcast, so he must be cool. Yeah, and he also donated money, so that, that's extra cool. Yep, extra cool. So, uh, <laughs> so the Charger game. It was close early on. Chargers pulled away right before halftime. They finally got their win in Miami. Uh, it was actually a really boring game to rewatch. I didn't get to watch it live. And to be honest, it seemed like a lot of people were very dramatic about that game because it didn't seem like the Chargers were ever quite behind. They were behind on the scoreboard, but they dominated that game. Never even punted the ball. But still, uh, a very boring game to watch. Uh, not a ton to talk about. But I think what we do want to uh, talk about are some of the new faces at the positions because – uh, some were because of out of necessity, and some were because Anthony Lynn wanted to get some guys some playing time. So let's talk about some things that happened during this game, and uh, let's talk about some of the replacements heading into Sunday. Well, we got to see in the running back group, Justin Jackson was out. Uh, Troy Main Pope was in. He was the RB2, and he had his first career touchdown. Yeah, Pope looked good. He caught a few passes, had a couple nice runs, looked explosive, showed some good vision was kind of operating out in space, uh, had a nice touchdown reception, like you mentioned, from Rivers, where Rivers kind of fled the pocket, and it looked like he was going to run, and then he dumped it right over the linebacker's head for a touchdown, uh, kind of baited the linebacker into breaking on him, and then got it to Pope. So Pope looked good. They you know, they they put him in motion a bit. They they Like I mentioned, they ran him out on the edges like they do with Eckler quite a bit, and he looked good. It was his his first regular season experience, and he looked pretty solid. He was quiet for some parts, but uh, flashed a lot. Couldn't get a lot going on the ground, but uh, there were some definitely some uh, good runs. He was patient on that uh, TD pass to occupy the space, and uh, he made a move when he got it, was able to score. Melvin Gordon, of course, suited up, but he didn't have to take a snap because of Eckler and Pope, who held it down on Sunday. Going forward, though, there's something we should probably talk about, and that's how this snap count is going to go because uh, we got to see a quarter of a season with Austin Eckler as the starting running back and Gordon makes his team better on offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I think going forward, Eckler deserves at least 50% of those touches. I get there's going to be game flow issues and they're going to want to ride the hot hand at times, but uh, that'll all be dictated on, you know, all of that. But all the questions in the off season about Eckler, not having the chops to be an RB1 are completely out the window. This uh, running back group has got to be a two-headed monster going forward as far as I'm concerned because these two are very talented, and I don't think you can then give Eckler his old role in a backseat as that kind of third-down receiving weapon. I think you got to start to get really close to 50-50 here. Uh, you would think, but with Gordon coming back, I'm not sure we can trust the coaching staff to do that. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn already talked about how Gordon is the RB1, and he's the man, and once he's ready, he's going to go back to getting the bulk of those touches. So as much as I'd like to continue seeing Eckler get the ball as much as possible, it seems like we're probably going to be looking at more of a 70-25, 70-30 type split um, just because that's how they've operated things in the past, and they don't seem to view Eckler as that starting running back, as somebody they want to give a ton of touches to. So you're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 total touches for Gordon, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five to 10 total touches for Eckler. 
and you'll probably see more of him in the passing game is my guess than in the running game, but hopefully they figure out a way to work them both in. Love to see them both on the field at the same time more uh, with Eckler in motion, you know, kind of creating havoc with the uh, defensive game plans, making them account for him all over the field and opening up running lanes and passing lanes for the, for the rest of the offense. So lots of things you can do there with Eckler. But I think, you know, once they feel like Gordon is ready to go, I think he's probably going to get the bulk of those touches unless uh, there's been a complete change of heart in the coaching staff, even since last week, which doesn't seem likely. No, the coaching staff will probably uh, go your route, though I think they are completely wrong on that. And uh, it should definitely be a lot closer in terms of touches because Austin Eckler has been great through the first four games. And um, I know a lot of people point to that fumble he had on the one-yard line, but you know, outside of that, he's been just awesome. Most receiving touchdowns of any running back in the NFL. Um, I know PFF has him great as like the number one running back. He's been great. So we'll see how it goes. I know early on Eckler's probably going to get the bulk of the snaps just until Gordon's NFL ready. But two talented backs now in the backfield, and Melvin Gordon is back. Virgil Green, though, uh, he missed the contest in Miami, and of course Hunter Henry is out too. So that meant Lance Kedricks, the veteran, got the start, and he made his presence felt right away. He caught that 24-yard pass on that second play from scrimmage over Eric Rowe. He finished with 37 yards on the day, which close to tripled Virgil Green's production this season in three games. Uh, I get Virgil Green is that blocking tight end, and that's his you know that's his bread and butter, and I get it. It's a real commodity. But Kendricks is showing the receiving chops the team has been missing since Henry's gone down. Love to see Lance Kendricks move up that depth chart. If Kendricks keeps putting up the performances like he did on Sunday, man, I really do like the thought of Henry and Kendricks in some 12 personnel. It becomes really, really intriguing because you've got another actual receiving weapon, which we haven't had next to Hunter Henry. Yeah, I thought Kendricks looked pretty good. He was getting open quite a bit. They made an effort to get him the ball early on. Uh, I don't remember how many targets he had, but it seemed like they they were looking his way uh, pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. And he made some nice catches. They looked at him, I think, on one third down in particular um, early in the game. So he looked good. He's definitely the best receiving tight end they have now with Sean Colkin having torn his Achilles tendon and being out for the year and uh, not knowing what's going on with Henry at this point. He looks like he's the best option for receiving tight end. And as much as we had fun with his signing a couple weeks ago, I do think there is an opportunity for him to contribute in this offense. You know, it's probably not a five, six, seven, eight catch kind of performance every week, but mm -hmm. you know, he can help move the chains, maybe haul in somewhere between two and four catches a week, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 yards a week. That's a pretty solid season. You're getting some pretty solid production. It at least makes teams honor him and respect him. And it gives them another weapon that they can sneak on the field and make some plays. So I liked what Kendricks did. I liked the fact that they made an effort to get him the ball. And I hope there's more of that coming because like you mentioned, Green is really the blocking tight end. And with Culkin injured, uh, I believe the team called up Steven Anderson this week. Yep. Um, and they signed Matt Sokol back to the practice squad. So more tight end moves. None of them the tight end move that everybody wants them to make. It seems like they're doing everything they can to avoid bringing back Gates, which even in dire straits, I think is fine with me at this point, but I'm probably in the minority on that outside of Garrett. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Kendricks is a nice addition, uh, kind of a nice find, and I think they can figure out ways to get him the ball and he can be productive. So hopefully Henry comes back and they have that nice one-two punch. Green can be the tight end three and things are rounded out nicely and they don't have to go back to that Gates well one more time. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm I'm actually glad they haven't gone back there. And uh, I, I like what Kendricks brought on Sunday. It was nice. Uh, looked open at times. Uh, did pretty good in the, in the blocking game from what I saw. I can't wait to see what he does next week. Hopefully Green's out because I want to see a, a more extended look at Lance Kendricks. Not that I wish that Green gets more injured, just that I'd like to see a more extended look from Kendricks. So moving on to another wide receiver that got uh, put into the lineup here. Dontrell Inman, of course, entered the lineup in week four. Travis Benjamin had that bruised ego. I mean, uh, a hip injury. <laughs> and Mike Williams <laughs> couldn't play. <laughs> so it was Inman, and he led the team in receiving and targets and seemed like Inman was Rivers' go-to guy on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. We've seen Inman in this offense. He knows the ins and outs of the offense. He knows Rivers. Rivers knows where to find him. Inman was running some great routes. You know, It seemed like any time Rivers looked his way, he had – couple of yards of separation and was making a nice catch to help move the chains. Uh, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, having Williams and Benjamin hurt and unable to play kind of reminded the Chargers that, hey, this guy, Inman, he can play a little bit and he can contribute. So, you know, kind of in a lot of ways, I think Sunday's game kind of felt like a preseason game with the way they were rotating guys in and they were giving guys opportunities at positions they wouldn't normally play. And they were featuring some guys in the offense that they wouldn't normally feature. But I think these are all good things. You know, they won the game, first of all, uh, but they're reminding themselves that they don't have to look at Keenan Allen every time uh, in a, on a passing play. You know, um, they have a tight end who can catch a ball. They're they're being reminded that Inman can make plays. So I think, you know, having Inman in the middle of the field is a nice fallback. He's a guy who can help move the chains on third down. Um, we saw him do it several times on Sunday, and... I like seeing him back. He, I like the signing when they brought him back, and I feel like it's something that will pay dividends down the line, whether Benjamin and Williams are healthy or not. He's a much more consistent route runner than both those guys. His hands are more consistent than both those guys at this point in time, and I, I, I have more confidence in his ability to come up with a clutch third down play than definitely Benjamin, and even Williams has been kind of hit or miss this year with the way he goes about catching the ball and dropping balls on jump balls, he just hasn't been the the beast that everybody thought he was going to be coming into the season. So having a third receiver, I think, is huge, and hopefully they find more ways to work him into the offense, even when Williams comes back. Keenan's been the man through the first couple of weeks, and Inman was the dude on Sunday. The Dolphins did try to do everything they could to take away Keenan Allen, which uh, left a lot of one-on-one matchups for Inman, who took advantage, especially late in that game, and like I mentioned with uh, Kendricks outperforming Virgil Green in one game, Inman quadrupled Benjamin's season total receiving in three games to Inman's single-game performance. And then even in this one game so far with the Chargers, it was almost half the receiving yards Benjamin has had the last two years with the Chargers. So uh, there's no question that Inman is outperforming Travis Benjamin right now. It's only one game. I guess it's a small sample size. But we haven't seen a game like this from Travis Benjamin in a very, very, very long time. Uh, going forward, he should be the wide receiver three when Mike Williams returns. I think we say this all the time that Travis Benjamin needs to be off the field, but it just seems like Inman's the better option. Uh, he was definitely the safety blanket on Sunday when they really needed to convert some downs and uh, move the chains. And I, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm trusting an, an Inman over definitely Travis Benjamin and maybe even Mike Williams. But having that extra receiving weapon in Inman uh, helps this offense a lot. Uh, with Williams, without Williams, but definitely moving ahead of Travis Benjamin on the depth chart would would really benefit this offense. 
Yeah, especially with Hunter Henry out and you know trying to find new ways to control the middle of the field and the in the intermediate passing game. You know, I think there's a definitive role there for Inman. Um, you know, between the twenties, particularly, and then you can go back to trying to force feed the ball to Williams in the red zone, where his size will win out more often than not. But having that that big frame and the route running ability and the reliable hands and the ability to you know make tough catches in traffic, which Inman did a few times on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, is just it's invaluable in the middle of the field when you don't have a go to tight end. Uh, and you're trying to find ways to not have to rely so heavily on Keenan Allen. So I think it was a a valuable discovery for the Chargers and a, a nice reminder for Wiz that, hey, we don't need to throw the ball to, to Allen every time, and we do have somebody else who can make plays. Even when Mike Williams comes back, there's a role there for him. So very positive development. Um, you know, I know people want to see Keenan get his catches and his yards and his touchdowns, um, but having somebody to help pick up the slack in the middle of the field and on third down is huge because you don't want to wear Keenan out and you don't want to have put him in harm's way or have Rivers trying to force the ball to him because he doesn't trust anybody else. Yeah, no, it, it keeps it more balanced on the outside. So, no, it's definitely a good thing. And so those are some of the guys that uh, you know we knew were going to be taking on a bigger role going into that game. Let's talk about some of the guys that were some in-game adjustments. And uh, we'll start with Kaiser White, who – he played some auto. I know you like to call it. You don't like hearing that word, but uh, he played some Sam, and that was fairly new because we saw White play some Will. We saw White play some Mike, but they walked him down close to the line of scrimmage, and he played some auto on Sunday. Yeah, um, it's something that we had heard them doing with him during training camp. I didn't see it with my own eyes, but apparently they were doing some of that in training camp. He was playing all three positions. Uh, it's interesting in that, you know, while I think he's probably capable of playing that Sam or auto position. It's probably the one linebacker position in this defense that he's least suited to playing, at least right now, based on how he's currently built and based on his current skill set. Not to say he can't do it, but I feel like he's better in the middle or at will. So to see him be the first man up in that particular role was kind of interesting. Um, I thought there were some plays there where he got sucked in against the run. There was one play in particular. I think it was the the Dolphins' first run play from scrimmage. It wound up getting called back for a penalty, but they had a huge gaping hole on the right side of the offensive line because um, White got sucked in and he he missed his run fit. He got caught outside and Drake bounced it, in, bounced it back inside between the tackles and went for a huge gain that wound up being called back. But overall, you know, I think White played pretty well. It was almost like you know, we, we went on our rant last week talking about how he needs to be on the field. He's got to be on the field. Why isn't he on the field? Why is he playing behind Davis? It was almost like the coaches listened to the show and were like, fuck it. Let's just put him at Sam, put him at Otto, and shut these guys up. <laughs> Let's just throw him out there for better or worse, and we'll shut these guys up once and for all. Which is kind of a theme throughout this whole game because there's a lot of these guys that we were bitching about last week. They got some playing time. Yes, there were a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was good to see him out there. Uh, hopefully, you know, we've there have been rumors this week. I think Daniel Popper reported that they're trying to work to Tavis Brown into the dime package in, in uh, Thomas Davis's place because they don't like Davis being out there for 100% of the snaps and they don't like him out there in obvious passing situations. I really wish they'd put Kaiser out there. I just think he's a better player than Jatavis Brown is. I don't know why Brown is getting that opportunity over over White, but it is what it is. At least they're trying to make adjustments. So it kind of seems like they hit that quarter pole of the season 
and their eyes lit up and they were like, oh man, we need to make some changes. So now they're going to start tinkering and they're in a soft part of the schedule, which is a good time to start tinkering and find solutions that work. So yeah, hopefully, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to it here in a minute with uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, pulling his hamstring and being out for the majority of that game and likely to miss some time. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like White probably is going to see most of the time at Sam. I'd, I'd like to see Drew Tranquil there as well. He's a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more stout. I'd like to see some of that as well. Maybe some of Egbule just to see what he looks like out there. Um, and I would expect to see a lot of uh, Uchenna Nwosu at the Leo with, with Ingram out as well. Yeah, which we'll get to. And uh, so for Kaiser White, I mean, I like the move because they get White on the field more, which is a positive, but they're a nickel and dime in the majority of the time anyway. Right. So it's not like he's getting that much more snaps, which is kind of a bummer because you like to see him on the field, but they're not going to be in a base that long. So having Kaiser White at Sam means we'll see Emeka Boule move up the depth chart. He'll be behind White and play some Sam at some point maybe, but uh, right now they've got Kaiser White there. Because, like you were mentioning, Melvin Ingram went down with a hamstring injury, which kicked their current Sam, Chenanuosu, to Ingram's Leo spot. And at college, we had kind of talked about how we liked him as an edge rusher. He'll get his shot opposite Joey Bosa now, who uh, may not have the sack numbers, but quietly having a borderline elite season. I Every week, he looks so much better. And uh, everybody's talking about how quiet he's been, but he's been really, really good when you watch him. But... When you watch Bosa, you see that they're trying to neutralize him, and he's still getting his work in, and he's still getting to the quarterback. It's it's amazing. He's been great this season. But anyway, uh, so then that means Nuosu slides into Ingram's spot because he's going to be out for a few weeks. It's been reported that he'll be out for, quote-unquote, some time. And then you're going to see Isaac Rochelle. He'll be the team's backup end behind Bosa, Nuosu, uh, as a third pass rusher. Yeah, I think Nuosu is probably better suited to playing the Leo. So if Melvin is out for an extended period of time, uh, I think he might benefit the most from having that move over to the Leo spot. I probably benefit playing there more than White will benefit from playing the Sam position. Yeah. But um, just being able to cut him loose and have him go after the quarterback, I think, is a huge plus. Hopefully they let him do as much of that as possible and they're not dropping him back into coverage as much as they were with Ingram the first three games. Um but, yeah, I think we'll probably see some of Egbule at the Leo position. I've seen people saying that, you know, oh, Rochelle can do that and Tillery can do that. And, you know, I, I don't think that's in the cards. At least it shouldn't be. Tillery's not a Leo. He's not a guy who should be standing up and going after the quarterback. Probably more of a base end, even a def- in a, even more so than a defensive tackle, in my opinion. Rochelle is definitely a base end and, a, a you know, a sub-package interior rusher. He's not a guy you want standing up and going after the quarterback either. I don't think. Um, so I think the the real concern here is that they're they're getting thinner at two positions because of one injury because they're moving their starter from one spot to another, even though I think it will benefit him. They're having to go further down the depth chart at the Sam position. So we will probably see a lot more nickel and dime even than we normally do just to keep their quote-unquote best players on the field because they obviously right now don't think White is one of those guys. Somebody said that they thought Tillery was a Leo. I've seen that all over Twitter. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, that's a dark <laughs> corner of Twitter. Uh, so next up, Forrest Lamp. He got some playing time. Another guy we bitched about last week. He got some uh, playing time on the left side, playing both left guard 
and left tackle. Yeah, it was nice just to see him out there. Um, nice uh-huh. to know that he's alive and that he's not in the doghouse. <laughs> and apparently he he didn't have sleep with Coach Lynn's wife <clears throat> or whatever it was that was keeping him off the field. <laughs> um, it was interesting that he came on the field for one series in the first half at left guard instead of right guard. I don't know if Feeney was hurt or getting checked out or what the deal was, but he came in for one series. He looked pretty good. I think they ran behind him a couple times with some success and he looked really good in pass protection. Uh, he was, although in a limited sample size, their highest graded, uh, lineman, uh, of anybody, uh, it, on, on Sunday in Miami. So that's a plus. And he also played one series at left tackle in the fourth quarter in garbage time where they brought in him and Trey Pipkins to play left tackle and right tackle respectively. And I thought he looked pretty good. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to take home. It was a brief series, and it was the series that ended the game in victory formation. So it wasn't like they were trying to march the ball down the field and score a touchdown. But, uh, you know, they did a little bit of passing, a little bit of running. He looked pretty good, didn't get beat, wasn't getting, you know, pushed around by any means. There were a couple plays where it looked like he kind of got beat off the snap and he recovered with his footwork and was able to get back in position and make a nice block. So, uh Good thing for Lamp to be on the field. Nice to see them give him an opportunity. Did think it was interesting, though. Caught Coach Lynn's uh, press conference yesterday after practice, and I think it was Daniel Popper asked him, what were your thoughts on Forrest Lamp's series? And he said he was fine. And Popper followed up and said, but what did you think? Did you think he looked good at guard? You know, just tackle something that you're thinking about with him? You know, what did you think of his performance? Can you evaluate him? And he basically said, Forrest is fine. I trust Forrest. He's been here for three years. He's fine. And that was all he would give him. So not exactly heaping praise on him, not exactly, you know, doing backflips over his play, but uh, nice to see Forrest out there. And hopefully he did say they plan on giving him more snaps and that they wanted to give him meaningful snaps. So hopefully we'll start seeing more of that at one or both guard positions and maybe even some tackle in the coming weeks against some bad football teams. Which uh, Lynn's been saying for a while now, but uh, he's actually getting some playing time, which is good. 17 snaps. There wasn't a lot to go off of. Uh, You know, it was limited action, and the most meaningful playing time, like you mentioned, was that left guard. Uh, Seeing Lamp at tackle was interesting because the coaching staff, you know, said he was exclusively playing left and right guard. So to see him out on the edge was very interesting. And they were saying that even when Okung was out and they were down to no options to tackle, was it like, will we even give Forrest Lamp a look? And they were saying, no, he's, you know, he's playing guard. He's playing left and right guard. So getting Lamp more playing time, whether it be a tackle or guard, uh, is a good thing. I think they need to stop messing around. Uh, he looked good in his limited work, but again, it's only 17 snaps. And, uh, you know, he obviously didn't do anything that uh, cost the team anything. And I saw one pancake, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether they want to put him at guard or tackle, but this team might have a tackle prospect in Lamp, and they might not even know it. I have a feeling. I mean, we know it, right? Because we've talked about it. But right. it wouldn't surprise me at all if this were just like the whole Des King as a returner situation where they did everything to not put Des King as a returner. They got so many returners back there. They couldn't run anybody else because they were injured or they were fumbling. So they said, okay, Des, go ahead and go back there. And all of a sudden, holy shit, he is a returner. He was a returner, and now they can't go back. This could very well be a Des King situation. I just see it. There's no way Forrest Lamp just turned awful in three seasons. That didn't happen. 
No, and we know for sure that uh, both Scott and Tevi are awful. Yes, yeah. So there should be plenty of opportunity for Lamp to start stealing some playing yeah. time. So if they are locked in on Feeney and Schofield for whatever reason at the guard positions and they want to get anything at all out of that, that second-round pick in Forrest Lamp, it's time to start finding a spot for him at tackle. And whether that's right tackle or left tackle, it really doesn't matter because he's going to be an improvement either way. <laughs> if, if he's worse... There's a big, big, big problem. It's it's not going to happen. <laughs> he's, there's no way he's worse than those two. It's not possible. No. The best tackle out of that tackle class could not be worse than Sam Tevy and an undrafted free agent. You know? No. it's not, No. No way it's that possible. happens. So then um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Sean Colkin tore his Achilles. Uh, it was a pretty good red zone catch, too. And uh, you feel terrible, too, because on the replay, he's, like, hobbling into the end zone thinking maybe they didn't touch him. Man, that was that was tough. But, um, you know, so that meant Colkin went down. Henry wasn't in. Green wasn't in, which means they had to give Derek Watt some tight end snaps. And according to Derek Popper, Anthony Lynn said today that he tells Watt all the time, you're going to be our Dallas Clark. <laughs> and, and, hey, man, build up your players. But definitely keep your expectations low on that one. <laughs> okay? You um, mean like Rayshon Jenkins playing at an elite level? Exactly. Keep <laughs> expectations low on that sentiment for sure. But, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't targeted at all as a tight end when Culkin went down. Um, he was mostly the blocking tight end, which is fine. But he did have a catch earlier, that little 21-yard scamper down the sideline. Uh, before that injury, that was pretty impressive. And like you mentioned, the team did call up Steven Anderson, got Matt Sokol to the practice squad. So they've got some replacements for Colkin already. So we probably won't see Watt at tight end, but it was very interesting that uh, they were able to run him out there. They've talked about how he's been a quote-unquote versatile piece. And here you go. He got some tight end snaps on Sunday. I mean, he showed some good hands, uh, had a nice little catch and run there. I think that was early in the game before he started playing tight end. Yeah. But still... Flash a little bit of speed, um, you know, for a fullback. Some good hands. <laughs> uh, they obviously think he can block because they've got him as a, the primary blocking fullback. So, you know, maybe they throw him out there in some gimmick situations, see if they can and create some mismatches. Who knows? But it's an option. It's a possibility. Probably not Dallas Clark. Uh, that seems like it's a bit of a reach. But, you yeah. know, another guy who maybe can make a couple catches a game and help out, and they're they're better for it. We can get. I mean, we can give Derek Watt credit. He's he's been good this year, and uh, he he's been effective on most of his short yardage situations. Not too much to complain about, so much. And the fact that he got to play some tight end is kind of fun. One other thing I'll add is, uh, and this is kind of injury related. Ty Long, of course, again kicking field goals, didn't have to punt at all on Sunday, but he did hit all three of his field goals, even that fifty-one yarder. This is after he came up limping off of that kickoff, so he definitely was 100%, but he made all of his kicks. Uh, outside of that Lions game, Ty Long has been really impressive for a guy who has no NFL experience being a field goal kicker and doing punting and kickoffs. He's been really impressive, so uh, shout-out to Ty Long. He did, he did good again on Sunday. He deserves a ton of credit. I mean, to be in the position that he's been forced into with Badgley being hurt, to be making the kicks he's making um, – you know, I think he's among the league leaders, if not the league leader in net punting average at the moment. He's been fantastic. They haven't been returning kicks against him for the most part because he's been kicking it so so high with so much hang time that the coverage team has been able to get down and pin teams deep a lot more often than not. So he's been very good, deserves a ton of credit. 
Um, not an easy position to be in for sure, to be, be handling those three jobs and toughing it out on Sunday and making some big kicks early in the game. Uh, good on him for sure. Yeah. And the Chargers today, Tom Pelissero reported that the Chargers are going to sign a rookie from Illinois, Chase McLaughlin. So I wonder if they're going to have him kick field goals or is a backup kicker just in case. Yeah, I don't know. Um, at this point, is there really a reason to make a change besides just having depth? Exactly. I, I don't know that I'd take that role out of, out of long and maybe risk you know hurting his confidence. He's been doing so well. Why make that change unless you're forced to? So maybe it's just a depth option. Who knows? Um, we'll see. But he's been a pleasant surprise for somebody who came in with no experience, no NFL experience, I should say, to be kicking the way he's kicking. He deserves a ton of credit. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A couple more players who were on the field that we begged for last week. One was. Uh... Uh, Drew Drew Tranquil was on the field quite a bit, it seemed yeah. like, on Sunday. Um, I noticed him for the first time in a goal line package, which kind of surprised me, although he is one of their larger linebackers, so that was good to see. Um, I noticed him, you know, kind of ranging sideline side to sideline and make a few tackles. Thought he looked pretty good. Didn't really do anything to stand out necessarily, but looked pretty good. Didn't do anything to hurt the team. And we got some Nasir Adderley late in the game too. So it seems like the team is starting to work in some of the rookies that we thought might be making an impact on this defense as the season goes on. Now, as we move into the second quarter of the season, maybe we'll start to see more of those guys start to see them worked into, you know, larger roles and where they can really make an impact on this defense because the secondary needs a lot of help right now for sure. And, uh, I think the linebacker core could use some shuffling as well. Yeah. We saw Drew Tranquil got 10 snaps and Sierra Adderley got nine. And surprisingly enough, I, I didn't, uh, I caught it live and didn't think I was seeing it right, but Cortez Broughton got some snaps on Sunday too. He had three. Yeah, three snaps. He was another one that I've seen people suggest might play Leo. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> these people are crazy. They might as well list know. us at Leo if they're just throwing names out there. I, I guess so. I can stand up. <laughs> throw me out there, man. <laughs> the, the key phrase is just stand up. Anything yes, after that, leave the law. I didn't say I could rush the passer. I no. said I can stand up. <laughs> And all, that's all that matters. All right, guys, that does it for us. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>